Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Lord, I pray that we can be a church that does two things. I pray that we can encourage each other in you for the purpose of building one another up according to the gospel, and also, Lord, speaking of the gospel, my prayer is that we are used as a body of believers to share Jesus and him crucified with others that do not know you. We pray this in his name, Jesus' name, amen. John Brown was an abolitionist. In 1859, he led a raid on the federal armory at Harper's Ferry. His intention was to redistribute weapons to slaves. After all, he was noted as being an abolitionist. See, when he was able to get these weapons and give them out to slaves to use to rise up against the opposition... It has been credited in history that this is actually one of, one of the many events that actually sparked the secession of states seceding from the Union in the Civil War. Two months after he raided this armory and gave out the weapons, he was arrested and then executed for his crimes. To this day, many still consider John Brown as being what is known as a martyr. Another martyr in history is Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc led French men against the English during a time when France was actually basically divided. They were at a civil war. England tried to take advantage of the situation in history. Joan of Arc was used to lead men. They actually disguised her. They dressed her up as a male as she led these men to raid the English. She was eventually captured and actually sold back to the English. In fact, the English had a punishment for her. She was found guilty of, of two things. One was heresy. The other was cross-dressing. I kid you not. She was convicted of cross-dressing. But first, the heresy. See, she was... Convicted of heresy, and I find this rather ironic for where we are at today, because this is still alive and well. See, she led these men, these French men, because she said that God himself spoke to her. So she was accused of heresy of having God speak to her outside of his word, which we can relate to because here at Villa's Grace, it's the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. Now, the cross-dressing, she disguised herself as a male, and according to Deuteronomy, that's a no-no. So she was executed for doing just that. And to this day, there are still historians that say that Joan of Arc is a martyr. We move on to Nathan Hale. He was an American patriot and spy, basically, during the Revolutionary War. He snuck in behind the British lines and was able to practice a little espionage against the English. He was a volunteer of the American Revolution. 
And that was precisely what he did. He went on an intelligent gathering mission. But he was caught and captured and executed. And to this day, he is still considered to be a martyr. Church, we still have people who are considered to be martyrs. Now just think of some of the martyrs that have popped up in recent history. Some individuals that people have wanted to turn into a martyr, but even at this point, some of us might be asking, what exactly is a martyr? What do you have to do to be labeled a martyr? Someone who is actually willing to die for a cause would be the definition of a martyr. However, allow me to give you two specific definitions that I believe are a little bit more detailed. The first would be this, and I just want to read it verbatim. A martyr is a person who voluntarily suffers death as the penalty of witnessing to and refusing to renounce a religion. That's one case of a martyr. Another case would be this, a person who sacrifices something of great value and especially life itself for the sake or principle of a martyr to cause freedom for others or themselves. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's one thing to be a martyr. It's one thing to die for a cause. But it's entirely something else to be Messiah. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Because after all, church, Jesus was no martyr. The title because he wasn't a martyr, for our sermon this morning was this, or is this, off of the prophecy, he would be resurrected. He would be resurrected. We're going to be in Isaiah this morning. Actually, excuse me, we're going to be in Psalm 16. I had Isaiah on my mind. Actually, we're going to be dealing with David. As we learned last week, he was a prophet, but we are going to be looking at him from Psalm 16, and we're going to compare it to what we see from Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2. Last week we were encouraged to know that our relationship with God was reconciled through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. Jesus was lost so that we could be found. We were also encouraged to know that restoration is received from God. However, it is never earned. Restoration within our relationship with the Lord is something that we received. Today we're going to focus on the resurrection of Jesus, and specifically we're going to cover what that indicates for us, especially, especially as it pertains to our future hope. So without any more being said, let's jump into Psalm 16, where we are going to be focusing on verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let, you, or let your Holy One see corruption. Acts 2, 24 through 32. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will dwell in the hope 
For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Amen. These verses bring us to this one main idea. This one sentence defines everything that we're seeing in the text this morning, and that is this. Jesus is the Savior who saves because he conquered the grave. Jesus is the Savior who saves because he conquered the grave. Though David, or through David, shall we say, it was through him that God slayed Goliath. Also, through David, it was who God used to prophesy about the resurrection of Jesus. See, both of these truths have a common denominator. Both of these truths in that common denominator is God. Therefore, both of these truths indicate that Jesus is the greater David. Church, don't be like David. David is the lesser. Jesus is the greater. Therefore, be like Jesus. Because after all, in Philippians 3, God's word does tell us this. Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. David pointed us to him. David pointed us to Jesus. But God worked through both to make that truth known to us. And we see David here in Psalm 16:10, and we understand in Psalm 16 verse 10 that this is a prophecy. See, the lesser David is confident in the Lord's faithfulness. He says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. See, Sheol was this Hebrew place where the dead would go to be judged. Therefore, as believers, we understand that this is true through our faith, but then we also need to repent as well. See, we should be confident as well because our confidence comes right here from this verse. Jesus, the greater David, is God's holy one. And if he will not see corruption, or a.k.a. Sheol, our faith in him indicates for us that we won't either. So with that being known and us understanding that that is our hope, we need to now turn to Acts 2 and see how Peter uses the prophecy from David to back up his defense 
of Jesus and his resurrection in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 24. See, this is preached by the apostle, like I mentioned, Peter. And he uses this prophecy from the lesser David to verify his testimony of the resurrected Christ. Again, our common denominator. And it begins right here in verse 24, where it says that God raised him up. Church, there is no gospel. There is no good news if God does not raise Jesus up. In fact, every sermon preached should center on this very fact. Every sermon that you hear preached should center on the fact that Jesus was resurrected because God raised him up. But we live in a negative world and we want to hear positive things, so sometimes our itching ears get pulled in the direction of positivity against the negativity, and we start thinking that we raised ourselves up. No, God raised him up. All sin leads to death. However, the resurrection of Jesus accomplished, as it says, loosing the pangs of death. See, pangs means sudden distress. Basically, this loosing being the resurrection has freed us from the consequence of sin, the ultimate consequence of sin, and that is death. We will not experience death because of our faith in the resurrection of the risen Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is very clear. We must repent and believe. Now, we don't repent over and over again as a means of managing or maintaining our salvation. No, we repent and believe once in order to be saved, but then we spend the rest of our time in relationship with the Lord, learning how to repent on a daily basis, not so that we can be saved, but rather so we can be in a more effective relationship with Him, because after all, He's the risen Messiah. And last time I checked, you can't be in a relationship with somebody that's dead. So Jesus clearly is no martyr. And as it pertains to death, verse 24 ends by stating this, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. See, I believe that there are five reasons why death couldn't hold Jesus down. And first and foremost, I think it's rather obvious that God was and is and will always be on his plan A. It isn't like sin entered God's creation and God said, oh, shoot, now i got to go to plan B. No. God created knowing that he himself would have to go to the cross. The second thing is this. Jesus quite clearly was ordained by God. He was handpicked, selected by God to accomplish what he accomplished on the cross. The third thing would be this. The resurrection of Jesus was prophesied, so it had to happen. 
We understand that from Psalm 16.10. We also know, and this would be the fourth thing, that Jesus is life. In John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody goes to the Father unless they go through me. And finally, the fifth thing is this. Jesus died and was resurrected perfectly without sin. Now, keep in mind, Jesus had just died a criminal's death, though. He died a criminal's death. In the eyes of those who witnessed his death, they're seeing the same execution that they would see for a criminal. So Peter needed further verification, which is why he's stating what he's stating, why he's laying out his case that we're seeing here this morning. Therefore, he quotes Scripture. He goes back to what was said in Psalm 16. See, we only looked at verse 10, but actually Peter's quoting verse 8 through like 11 and 12, and he's basically verbatim giving us the account from David here in Acts because he knows that everybody just looked upon Jesus as being lowly like a criminal. See, Jesus has to be the greater David. He has to be the greater David because the lesser David, as it says, saw the Lord always before me. See, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. You wouldn't be a defendant in the court of law without being smart enough to hire a lawyer to defend you who's going to stand there at your right side defending, being your advocate in the courtroom. You'd be foolish not to do that. That's exactly what God was doing with Jesus. He was guiding him. He was protecting him. He was advocating for him as he walked this earth all the way through his resurrection. Because after all, what does it say again? Who raised him up? Oh, that's right. God raised him up. Church, Speaking of up, do you daily get up? Do you get up each day and look for the Lord to be at your right side? Guiding you, protecting you, advocating for you? Because if you do, there's a few benefits for those of you who do. Verse 26, a heart that's glad, a tongue rejoiced, a flesh that dwells in hope, See, this is exactly how we should be living each and every day. We should be living powered by a happy heart. We should communicate with delightful speech. All while being saturated in hope. You know, hope. Hope that points forward to the future. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus is what makes all of this possible for us. And as we continue to move on to verse 27, and as Peter continues to quote the lesser David, verse 27 is actually a direct quote from Psalm 1610. We know from last week that Jesus was forsaken now, don't we? We understand that he was abandoned, but not permanently abandoned. He experienced 
abandonment from God, but not permanently. Because after all, he was resurrected back to life, which is why Jesus says what he said in John 14, that he is the life. One commentator says it great when he says this. I just want to read this word for word. The fact that Jesus remained God's holy one despite the ordeal of the cross demonstrates that Jesus bore the penalty of human sin without becoming a sinner himself. It also shows that this payment of sins was perfect and complete, the only type of payment a holy one could make. So let's observe verse 28. It says, you have made known to me the paths of life. It's as if Peter is saying via the, the lesser David God, you made the path of life known to Jesus. And, and Jesus, you made the path of life known to me. Think about that. Before this point, eternal life was a mystery. Jesus has let it be known to us that he is the life. It is our faith in his resurrection. It is our faith in his work. The faith in the fact that God raised him up. But that is so counterintuitive to our society. Because if you remember, we had that sermon series a few weeks ago. We covered that one topic. It was God helps those who help themselves. See, that's what society wants you to believe. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do this. You got this. No. Jesus is the greater David. Don't tell me I can be David because I don't want to be David. I want to be Jesus. Not that I can be Jesus, but as Scripture tells us, we receive new, glorified, resurrected bodies because of our faith in His work and what He did. Because only God could raise someone from the dead. The resurrection is about life. We need to know this life. We need to grow in this life, and you got it. We need to go with this life. Everyone in this world, everyone in this world is searching for something. Everyone is searching for something. The only difference is for us who have a saving faith in Jesus, end game, we're done. We found what we have searching for. Now we have the opportunity to grow in that relationship, whereas the rest of the world will go to any number of things. And then once they satisfy their appetite, which is going to be short-lived, they're going to move on to the next thing, always searching, always restless. Those who know him, however, are not restless. Those who know Jesus actually rest in his presence. And that's the difference for us. And verse 29 reveals something to us. See, the giant slayer, a.k.a. David, has to be lesser and Jesus greater. Because after all, it says this. 
David, that's who Peter is talking about here. He says both he died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. However, we can't say the same about Jesus now, can we? That stone was rolled away. The Bible is clear in that all prophecy does not actually come from the will of man either. It comes from men moved by the Holy Spirit who speak from God. Therefore, what we are observing here is Peter's eyewitness account verified through David, a prophet. Verse 30 is very revealing of God's character, character to us, and I think this is so important for us, especially as it pertains to our hope in our faith and what God has done. So before we go any further, think about all the authoritative sources. And when I say further, before we get into this one aspect of God's character, think about all the authoritative, quote unquote, whether they are truly authoritative or not. Think about all these authoritative sources out there today. See, we do a really good job of consuming our information in an echo chamber. And what I mean by that is this. See, there's so many options for us to go to. We just go find somebody who's going to tell us exactly what it is that we want to hear. So if I want to have a certain perspective on whatever it is that's going on in the world today, I will just go to a source to tell me and validate what it is I already think. And I will completely neglect and negate the other sources out there. But there's so many that it's so easy for this to happen. So are these sources really authoritative? Are they authoritative unto us only? See, I would say they're not. Because there's only one promise keeper. And quite clearly from Scripture, God is the ultimate and only promise keeper. And we get it from right here. It says, God had sworn with an oath. I think that's pretty serious. To him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. David knew that it wasn't his throne. We should know that it's not our throne either. Again, allow me to ask, daily, do you get up and look for the Lord to be at your right side? Do you put Jesus upon his throne in your life on a daily basis? Because each morning when we get up, we have an option. Either we're going to get up and put Jesus on his throne over our life, or we're going to put ourselves on the throne of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to learn to how to better make the decision to put Jesus upon his throne over my life each and every day. And as Joe joins me, I know this is especially true because we're talking about this same Jesus that God raised Again, if we live like we know this, we will be powered by a happy heart. We will communicate with delightful speech, all by being saturated in hope. 
It's been said there is no hopeless situations, just people who have given up on hope. Who do you know in your life that has given up on hope? Do they see that you are, in fact, powered by a happy heart or just a heart that's full of joy? Do they get to hear you communicate with delightful speech? Do they recognize that you're saturated in hope? Because after all, let's face it, we learned this morning from the text that we are all witnesses. We need to let the world know what we have seen and experienced because of Jesus. The same Jesus who simply was not a martyr. And if he were, everything that you just heard, if Jesus were just a martyr and not our Messiah, if Jesus were just a martyr who died and wasn't the life, the truth, and the only way to God himself, then everything that you just heard would be, in fact, absolutely worthless. But we know that it's not because Jesus would be resurrected. He was resurrected. And now we get to spend eternity learning and encouraging one another in his resurrection because after all, that is our hope. That is our future. The life that he provided because he was raised up by God himself. And this brings us to our one and only point this morning. That point states this. Jesus was raised by God to sit upon David's throne. Jesus was raised by God to sit upon David's throne. The same throne that he sits upon above us each and every day in our lives. Again, our main idea stated this. Jesus is the Savior who saves because he conquered the grave. Lord, as we are always encouraged to know, grow, and go here at Villa's Grace Church, I pray that we can encourage one another to do each one. That we can continually get to know you, to grow in you for the purpose of going with you to see others come to a saving faith. Use this church to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and what it means for our future. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.